This episode of the Good Pop Culture Club is brought to you by Audible Theater Presents Good Enemy, a world premiere play by Audible Theater emerging playwright Yilong Liu, directed by Obi Award winner Che Yu, about a father who learns that closing the door to his past means shutting his daughter out. A smart and thrilling story that deftly weaves together two generations and two countries, the U.S. and China, both during times of sweeping social changes, exploring the power of human connections. This hopeful show includes a road trip across America, theatrical flashbacks to 1984 China, action, suspense, secrets, discussions of generational trauma, and the bonding power of TikTok between a father and daughter. The play stars Obi Award winner Francis Ju, uh, who was recently seen, who who was recently seen on Pacific Overtures on Broadway and Soft Power at the Public. Previews begin October 25th at the Manetta Lane Theater in New York City and will run for a limited five-week engagement through November 27th. Tickets are on sale now at goodandmeplay.com. So if you're lucky enough to be in New York during the next few weeks, um, definitely check it out. And use our special Good Pop Culture Club discount code, um, GPCC25, um, all caps. When you do, the code will unlock $25 tickets if you use it before November 5th. And afterwards, the code will give you a 25% discount. So definitely, if you want the most bang for your buck, the earlier, the better. Um, The show does contain nudity, sexual content, and gunshots. So parental discretion is advised. Once again, the play is playing from October 25th to November 27th at the Manetta Lane Theater in New York City. And our special Good Pop discount code is GPCC25. Thanks again to Audible Theater Presents Good Enemy for supporting the Good Pop Culture Club. And now, on with the show. You're listening to... And what is poppin' everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club episode 126. My name is Marvin Yuan. Joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. We have formerly self-proclaimed professional Asian American just you. It's been a week of feelings, Marvin. A lot of shit has come out. Like <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. Yeah. Um, also joining us, the most professional of culture editors, Han Win. Hey Han. Hey. <laughs> Um, well, okay, we all know I have big news to share, but I am <laughs> yes. curious, Jess, you've been on record on this podcast, excited, excited about this big concert that's going on in Vegas. <laughs> oh, we're going to bring that up? Oh, too soon, Marvin. <laughs> yes. So I was supposed to go to when we were young. Um, and then, of course, as many of you have followed or know on the Twitter, it got canceled as we were driving to Las Vegas. Um, you know, for me, not worse for where I actually didn't grow up like i diverged <laughs> like robert frost i diverged in the yellow wood and when everyone was really getting to emo music i got into c-pop and k-pop so um but so so a lot of this is recent uh i do really like paramore uh, they're great uh but yeah so but my boyfriend oh, oh god not even a boyfriend my fiance well that's Hello. weird my fiance has been <laughs> wanting to see my chemical romance for like ages Aww. and like it also sucked because i asked him like even before like months ago because a lot of the bands are also just doing like smaller tours since they're on tour and they all played LA like the weekend or the week before this (laughs) festival so I was like hey do you want to go see like My Chemical Romance they're playing like I think the forum like the week of 
And he's like, no, it's okay. We're going to see them at when we were young. It's like, no, we need the pure festival experience. Or he's like, we're just going to, we're going to see them anyways. Like, no, it's fine. Like on a weekday, it's kind of tough to get out. And like, after is this work. the classic your fiance is we have Coliseums at home bit? Um, no, it was just more like, oh, like, you know, we have. We, we we have tickets to see them soon and you know we're trying to save some money for our weddings so like oh we don't need to see them twice but jokes on us because we did not get to see them at all um yeah i'm and then all my other friends had tickets for sunday sure looked mighty fun <laughs> it is what it is it's fine like let's just hope no one dies until they go on tour again you were the first oh. one I thought of when I saw that news. I was like, hey, wasn't Jess going to this thing? Yes, Marvin. Yes, I was supposed to. Lols. But hey, I get like 600 something bucks back. That's good. I mean. It's not terrible. It was like for safety concerns, right? Like they don't. Yes. And I respect that. And I'm like as someone who is an event producer. I was like, oh, it must have been bad because you know what happened, Marvin. Like, mm-hmm. you know what happened? The insurance people were like, you got to cancel mm-hmm. or not insuring the rest of your run. So they'd be like. You know, if they could have gotten away with it, Live Nation would have let it happen. But whoever their insurance carrier is, I was like, so like, it was funny, like watching all these people like cry, which is really sad. Like some people came from like Australia and the London. And I'm like, oh, that sucks. A lot I of drove three hours emo kids and kids walking around Vegas that broke day. Boulevard of Broken Dreams, baby, which Green Day's playing mm-hmm. next year. But I was uh. like, oh, you know, like we stayed with family. It was a drive. It was a really, when you drive in on like a Saturday morning, it's like, we didn't even have to stop. Like no one needed to, we didn't have to get gas. There was no traffic. We just like straight shot it. I was like, oh, this is not bad. We saw some friends. Pretty chill. I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. But some of these people who came from like international, like you live by the sword, you die by the sword. But the, the wind was pretty bad. Like I... I mean, especially after things like Astro World and, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of these other incidents. And there there have been incidents where, like, wind has taken down, like, tent setups because they're not permanent structures. I was like, yes, let's let's not die. <laughs> Still got to get married next year. Yeah, I married. need to stay alive. And I need to, like, I, I really feel like now this, this whole incident is like, man, I really need to get wedding insurance. <laughs> You can just you can just do what I do and just skip the whole thing. But I like attention. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Well, condolences to your fiance. Um, I hope he gets to see my chemical romance someday. Me too. Me too. And I hope I don't have to be there this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's the end of October. Uh, it's Halloween weekend coming up, which means it's time for our monthly Asian American entertainment news check-in. Do we want this? The most traditional of Halloween um, <laughs> traditions, I guess. Um, but before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is bringing us through this week. Um, I guess I'll start this time because I'm sure y'all have questions. But yeah, I not much pop in terms of pop culture uh, because I've been too busy uh, getting married last week. So I guess that's an excuse. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, oh, did we do any pop? I mean, I watched. You watched what we will discuss later. Yes, you did send us a 
a a snap of or I guess a photo of like y'all watching Great British Bake Off on your <laughs> wedding weekend. So um I I'd say that counts. I guess. Yeah. I mean I did watch Great British Food Crimes of the Week. Um <laughs> Great British Food Crimes. That's good. Did y'all see what they did to s'mores? I mean It's I not like- the worst crime that's been committed this yeah. season. I think I'm okay with it because also it's s'mores and that's American. So are you saying that they did not murder s'mores on this show? Okay, it's not like a s'more is some like classic. Tr- it's s'mores is literally the three cheapest ingredients you can get <laughs> smashed together like over an open fire. Like it is, it, it's it's very primal. <laughs> well, I I felt crimed. I, I felt crimed. You felt crimed. Yeah, I hated it. <laughs> They did a crime. You felt crimed. <laughs> um, in case you guys don't know what we're talking about, I did not watch um, how they did S'mores Dirty. Um, this week, on or last week on the Great British Bake Off, um, the technical challenge was S'mores, the classic um, American dessert for their Halloween challenge that they obviously did not did during the summer. And the authentic recipe that Paul Hollywood called for were um, digestives, um, chocolate and a homemade marshmallow, but not melted because I guess in Britain, you don't want a melty, chocolatey, delicious more. You want something more like, I don't know, whatever they I, made. I mean, first of all, digestive biscuits are not um, graham crackers, and I'm okay with that. Um, but also, yeah, it's not like chocolate chocolate. It's like they had to make a ganache or something. So <laughs> and it, again, they even call it a marshmallow. They're like, it's an Italian meringue. I'm like, yeah, I was like, not the same thing. But regardless, I just probably still eat what they made. Like those things don't seem I mean, incompatible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure, I'm sure they were delicious, but but yes, not a s'more. Not. I a think s'more. it's just the one-two punch of like, okay, like Mexican week was like abysmal, and you're like, what the fuck? Everyone knows who what a s'more is. Like a five-year-old here knows what a s'more is. So I think it just takes into question like the like expertise part that is required to make this show work yeah, like now have you been fucking lying to me about yeah. everything now i'm questioning everything that he's ever said about anything it's like is can this actually st- what a yeah. biscuit can we is? stop yeah can we stop having Tom, uh paul hollywood be the authority about anything outside of bread making in england <laughs> does like, he even know how to make bread i heard his bakery sucks oh my god i don't know like it just I don't ever want him to be teaching us something else from another discipline of his. Right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, bring back, yeah. like, bring back those little historical segments where, like, we go see, watching, like, old man, like, make it. Yes. Like, like for three, like, he's the 30th person, in, like, generation to be make this one type of cookie. I was like, yeah, bring that yeah. back. Yeah. Great British <laughs> Bake Off, you need a secondary unit to go and just shoot stuff around Europe. You Seriously. don't even have to leave Europe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, pay Paul less, do more of that. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, I feel like we, during Mexico week, we're like, you got to stay in your lane, Great British Bake Off. But now it's like, do you even know your lane? Can't even trust you. Um, they were like, we own all the lanes. Speaking we, of we the conquered secondary, It's mines now. It's mines now. Like, you which, have to pay which, me taxes. Which fair is a very British thing to do, to be honest. Yeah, that is very true. Yes. Um, Speaking of second units, um, I did notice that uh, Mel, the one of the original hosts, has a new Netflix show coming out or a new show on Netflix about traveling around doing illegal stuff. Sounds illegal stuff? Yeah, stuff that's that illegal so in Britain. Fun. In oh, other that's countries. fun. See, that's how you do crimes. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that. 
Me too. Um, but yeah, I guess that's something pop culture I did during my we 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 spent. So I got married in Santa Barbara. We did a courthouse wedding, uh, close friends and family only because they only allow like eight people to attend. And then we just spend the weekend in Santa Barbara, and it was fun. It was nice and chill. The- that sounds cool. I mean, I think I've been only a couple times, uh, so I w- I might need recommendations from you next time I go. It's a nice chill city, you know. And it's like yeah, good ten degrees cooler than L.A., mm-hmm. which was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Christine looked good. Uh, Not that you didn't. Good. Not that you didn't, Marvin. You looked oh, very no, I handsome. Know. I, I, I'm Christine looked good. Compared to my. Now, compared to my wife, uh, wife? I like a potato. So. It's like, how? Her? Him? <laughs> how? I feel, I feel like you have to say my wife how Borat, Borat does. No. Because I, I, I have friends in Kazakhstan and I cannot um, do that. Oh, no. Okay. okay. That's yes. fair. That's fair. I asked Raymond how many times he, he thought he would say my wife. Uh, you know, once again, like on our wedding day, and I was like over under, like let's make a bet. <laughs> oh, can we have? We should all uh, do a pool. We could all do yeah, a yeah. pool. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I feel like you need. Well, how will you keep track? Will you have an inside man? Um, I'll just like you know take a sharpie and mark it every time he says <laughs> it on his wrist or something. Keep it simple. Yeah. Well, that happened. Now, um, now I am the married. And now it's your turn, Jess, I guess. Like in a year, um, <laughs> I still got some wiles to go. And honestly, every time I take a step in like something like concrete planning, I'm like, who let me do this? This is like, <laughs> I like a baby. This is like illegal. Uh, speaking, yeah. People have been asking like, what's different now? Um, the main thing that's different is the question that our parents asks. When asks, you can have kids. different now. Babe, yes, yes. Yeah. 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 You can just say you can just let them uh shut them up and say, "Oh, in fact, we're expecting next month." <laughs> <laughs> no, what if they're, what if they're they'll take it seriously. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> People are already wondering why we did a courthouse wedding. Ah. <laughs> uh, shotgun. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of, I guess I don't know. This is a bad segue, but Jess, what's popping? So, <laughs> I'm so happy that you uh, you know, had a very joyful emotional weekend marvin i too had a joyful and emotional weekend not because i got married but because two releases came out on friday which is midnight by taylor swift Mm -hmm. her 10th studio album that woman is insanely productive um and the loneliest time by carly ray jepsen two sides of the same gay coin um it's like Damn, I ate this weekend. It was really good. Um, and then the thing is, Taylor Swift made a big deal about, you know, like midnight makes a lot of sense. Well, artists do a midnight drop, but, you know, she was like, meet me at midnight. And, you know, she's an evil capitalist genius. And she's just really like, <laughs> uh, you know, she broke like a million streaming records and units sold with this. Um, like records I didn't even know you could still break. And then she dropped... And I'm like, I was so tired on Friday um, or Thursday going to Friday. I had like dinner with a friend I hadn't seen in a long time. I was out till like 11 p.m. And then I had a wedding the next day. So I was like, fuck it. I cannot stay up to like process this right now. I'm so tired. And then she dropped a longer edition with seven more tracks at 3 a.m. So there's Midnight and then there's the <laughs> 3 a.m. edition. And then Carly Rae Jepsen, who I also really love and went to see her in concert this week, also released her full album. So 
I'm having a great time. Um, do you want to feel like, do you want to feel like vengeful or uh, happy? Like it's all like Tate and Carly are both, both had to kind of have big queer, you know, fan bases. Carly Ray, especially. Oh my God. That was like, mm-hmm. that was a very gay audience. Her oh concert. yeah. It was really fun. Um, but I was like, man, this is a lot. And like, especially for like new music, like I just, I really need to pay attention to absorb things for the first time. So like, I can't like listen to new music while I'm doing anything else. Like I literally have to sit there with nothing else. So like, I finally found the time on the road trip to our canceled festival. And I was like, man, Carly consistent as always. I think Carly Rae Jepsen is the most consistent pop star and the most underrated pop star of the last 10 years. Uh, I think people who only know her for Call Me Maybe or I Really Really Like You are missing out. Those are her two literally worst songs. Uh, and then Midnight's Man Taylor. I've been a fan for a really long time. I've been a fan since Fearless. I've been a fan since it wasn't cool to like Taylor Swift. And she keeps pulling on you shit, which is crazy. She's only 32. <laughs> She's released so many albums. She keeps changing her albums, like her sound. Which and I think it still works, which is like really, really hard to do as an artist. Uh, and I'm just having a good time. And I have apparently Spotify wrapped stops collecting data on the 31st. So it's like I need to make sure Taylor slips on my top five because I'm in this group thread. And if Taylor isn't in your top five, you get kicked out. So I'm like, I got a week. I got a week. Repeats, repeats. And she did the one thing I never thought she would do. She picked a good single. That's growth, Taylor. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. Antihero. Fabulous single. Hmm. I think I'm more in more of a Carly mood than a Taylor mood this week. So Yeah, I think I'm gonna check. I agree. Uh I'm glad I'm glad to hear your review first. Yeah, she also has this very obscure line that people are talking about, but real bitches know it's a 30 rock reference. <laughs> and it's a 30 rock reference I make a lot. Um it refer it refers to the sexy baby episode. Uh, fan, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I, I I I don't have enough time to explain, but it's great, and I love her, and I lo- and and I know she's gonna go on tour soon, and then Beyonce is also going on tour next summer, and guys, I think I have to sell a kidney. Yep. <laughs> what do I do? Why are they doing this to me? You can have a smaller wedding to go <laughs> on your concert dreams. No, I'm too deep. I'm too deep, Marvin. I've been telling all these bitches for like three years at this point, wedding in Italy, I got to make it happen. I'm a woman of my word. Mm, I, um, I'm rooting for you to uh, you. for all your all your concert and wedding dreams to come true. All right, Han, what's popping with you? <laughs> okay, uh, so I'm the only one keeping it spooky here-ish. Um, uh, I finally checked out Werewolf by Night. Oh. Um, if you weren't aware, a lot of people, if you weren't aware, Werewolf. Um, basically, it's a black and white special. It's a Marvel uh, title. And it was directed by Michael Giacchino. If you remember, he's actually a composer. Yeah. So, um, who's done a lot of the really cool stuff like, uh, let's see. I he think does the- Up. He did Pixar. Uh, he does a lot Incredibles, of the, uh, yeah. Star Wars. He did Rogue One, I believe. Yeah. So, you know, um, so he, the thing about Werewolf by Night is that it brings uh, Gal Garcia Bernal to 
the forefront. So now we have both the Itu Mama Tambien people on uh, Marvel, well, Marvel Disney projects on Disney Plus. Um, so I, I feel like people have been trying to get them together somehow, some sort of crossover. I, I feel it. Um, the cool thing about this is it is they call it a special. It's not quite a movie. It is 55 minutes long. So it's well worth your time just checking it out. Um, I did mention it is black and white. So it does have that sort of flavor of um, those old 1920s, 30s sort of uh, horror films. And so the music is like really or uh, like really big and, and melodramatic music. Um, it, it sort of starts out like a classic um, inheritance sort of challenge where all these people are gathered in this sort of mansion and you find out that someone called Ulysses Bloodstone died. <laughs> and so now all, and he was a major monster hunter. And so all the other uh, monster hunters come and gather to pay respects, but they also find out that his actual bloodstone I guess it's a thing um, uh, is up for grabs. And whoever, you know, goes out to the maze outside of the mansion and uh, defeats this monster, they can get the bloodstone and be the next one. And so um, he, he has a daughter who is a strange Elsa uh, because she decided not to train and follow in his footsteps. But suddenly she does here. Um, and then he, uh, Gal Garcia Bernal, plays a guy named... Um, Jack Russell. <laughs> like the terrier? <laughs> Maybe a little foreshadowing here. Um, that's all I got to say. And um, but uh, so it's kind of cool because it is black and white. It does sort of play with those tropes at the beginning. Um, so and you do have that like um, everyone competing. It's what's what I thought was interesting because I did look up about the whole black and white stuff was um uh, Michael Giacchino thought that because it was so bloody, because there's a lot of like bloodshed and stuff like that and gore, he thought it was going to be TVMA, but because it's black and white, they ended up getting TV 14 oh. <laughs> because it looked fakery, you know, and I guess also because it sort of plays into that older sort of uh, like more theatrical type of gore. Um, we do, I, I would say not to give away too much. There is Leonard Nam in it. Uh, and, other people, but I was just like, just don't expect people of color other than maybe Gunkoster Bernal, who is white passing, let's be clear, um, to last long because it is a uh, fight for the death for a lot of these people. Um, but it's fun. I think there is a twist halfway through. You probably see it coming. Um, but it's very brisk, like I said, uh, 55 minutes long. And the only piece of color which is used very nicely is the bloodstone so it's red and it is glowing oh. um yeah so it's just it's kind of good old fun um it, it gets a little weird by the end um because then it starts breaking all the, its own rules but i think um i believe people say that this is going to enter the mcu i think this is part of phase four still i mean so yeah does it have the mcu third act problem not not in that way of course there is a fight but i don't think i stopped being interested <laughs> um i mean they didn't all of a sudden like get really explodey um maybe it's because it's only a few characters and it's still very earthbound they don't go into cloud city uh <laughs> you know they, there's no dragon that shows up there is the monster, you do get to meet the monster. And what I like about it is he is a practical monster. So um, it's some very good puppetry going on. Oh, but yeah, cool. so 
I recommend it. It's just it's just an interesting thing. It's kind of funny. There is humor. Uh, the one thing I have to say was I was slightly disappointed was it didn't have the humor of that sort of um, era that it was uh, evoking. So I wanted everyone to talk really fast. You know? Oh, you <laughs> and, wanted the patter. Yeah, I wanted the uh, his go Friday patter because you know, like the main there's a main uh, female character and he and I. But here's the thing: I did like that Gal Garcia Bernal got to have a lot of humor himself. So good things. Yeah, I think I I'm definitely gonna check it out. This was like one of those stealth MCU things I didn't realize. Yeah, was Marvel. They didn't didn't really announce that it was coming until September, and then it rolled out like almost (laughs) immediately. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I feel like it got lost in the Halloween sauce, you know, lost spooky, th- a lot of, a lot of like, um, horror feature releases this year. Mm. Yeah. And I was also pissed off because, um, I mean, TV critics will always complain about all the screener issues, but like Disney plus gave it to us for like such a limited period of time that some people, when they went to look for it, it was already expired. <laughs> so I was just like, why did you hide this? Because I think it's actually been fairly universally acclaimed critically so um yeah i i don't know if they just didn't have faith in it they were trying to sneak it in onto like too weird yeah i i I think maybe they just didn't trust critics enough to enjoy something that's a little bit different from the mcu imagine the power of the marketing Mm. sauce of the campaign that would be gail garcia bernal and Diego Luna on Disney Plus at the same time. Right. Like, did they kiss. They're so dumb. <laughs> like, anyway. So I liked it. If you want to try something slightly different, then um, yeah, check it out. And it's not too scary. Yeah. It's only TV 14. Yeah. <laughs> just by the way, if you're not caught up on Andor, this last episode had um, shirtless Diego Luna. Just, just oh, I, 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 I will, I will, I will finish it. <laughs> It was <laughs> it, it was at the forty one minute mark because I made thank sure you <laughs> thank you wow true friends <laughs> All right. well that's what's popping for this week when we come back we check out the latest Asian American entertainment news in our October twenty twenty two edition of Do We Want This stick around. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Ramen. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics. The weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Ramen Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Arakas to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lun Yang. You might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff they could just read the books with us right yes they could do that but you could also just send us money no ryan that's not how passion podcast projects work why in the hell are we even doing this uh i'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode so tune in each week to quarantine comics that's qtdcomics.com set phasers to fun Host the podcast Asians in Baseball alongside Naomi Ko and Scott Okamoto. Asians in Baseball is exactly what it sounds like a podcast about the Asian and Asian Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Americans in Major League Baseball. 
Every week, we break down the highlights of what's going on with Asians in baseball and then take a deeper dive into the Asian and Asian Americans past and present who have shaped baseball as it is today. Whether you're Kim Ang's number one fan or you've never even heard of Hideo Nomo, we've got something for everyone, especially for the Shohei Otani stands. Maybe too much for the Shohei Otani stands. Listen to Asians in Baseball wherever you get podcasts, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, it's time once again for our monthly Asian American Entertainment News Check-In. Do we want this? Where every month we check out um, the latest Asian American Entertainment News and ask ourselves, do we want this? So let's get started. Um, Han, what's your first story? Okay, this one was actually quite a surprise, but apparently the that groundbreaking Asian American film, The Joy Luck Club, is getting a sequel, huh? Um, yeah, this news broke fairly recently, maybe a week ago. Um, so basically, Amy Tan, who wrote the novel, uh, she's coming back and um, working with the Rain Man screenwriter um, and are going to make a sequel. So basically, all the people that we knew as the daughters are now the mothers. And so we get their grandmothers, who are the mothers. And then, of course, we're going to have to meet new kids. <laughs> So who are going to be the daughters. So which is going to be interesting because this means that these grandmothers won't necessarily be the ones who are traumatized and left behind babies and stuff like that. So it'll be different. Um, so no word about like the casting of the new generation yet or anything like that. Um, it's, so it's set up by uh, Ashok Amitraj's Hyde Park Entertainment Group. Um Producing alongside Amy Tan, Ron Bass, and Jeff Kleeman. No director announced yet. So this is a big question because I asked it myself. Do we want this? I don't know. <laughs> it has the potential to be really great. But also, <laughs> yes, the opposite. So... I feel like it's hard to be truly excited about this. Um, A, because I was never really that excited about Toilet Club in the first place. Like, And I read the book first. And, yeah. you know, it's the idea that it's a continuation of the story. I think there's there's something there, right? There's something to be mm-hmm. said about, like, how generational trauma comes around, even in the generation that did not experience all the shitty things. Um, and... Um, but I, I guess, like, personally, I've just never really been that big of a fan of Amy Tan's works. Wow, spoken so. like a true Chinese man, Marvin. <laughs> Jess, what do you think about this? I think it's... A, I think it's going to be dependent on the creative team. I do like Amy Tan. I know she's not for everyone, and she has been accused of, like, the whole trauma porn thing, but it's also, like, you know... Don't act like men ain't shitty sometimes, okay? Like, I don't want to hear from a man. And she was the um, first person to write about that stuff. So I give her that, right? Yes. Like, she opened the eyes of a lot of people to, like, and oh, I cannot, talk about this. Yeah. And I can't say that it's not effective. Like, the book slash movie, the story of the Joylet Club. You know, like, I cry every single time I watch it. It's just, I feel like it's a different conversation now. And unless you have someone who can understand that part um because i think amy tan was very comfortable writing 
as the daughter mm-hmm. of like Chinese parents. But if you're going to write as like, if you're going to round out the perspective of the next generation, right? Um, I, I, I don't know. Like, I think in general, people don't know how to write young people very well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let alone like the intersection between like young, like the new generation and like identity politics, let alone like, I, assuming that you know the relationships from that first movie continued on some of these children will be biracial most of these mm-hmm. children will be biracial oh, yeah. white biracial so that's also like I, I i would hope maybe they throw in a little more like color in there like you know <laughs> you tell mm-hmm. me none of these girls married like mm-hmm. a non-white man yeah. in well, san we, francisco well, we don't know who yeah. ming na's character yeah, Waverly married because she was still single in that book, right? No, no, Ming Na's character was May. Waverly was Tamlin. Tamlin's with yeah. Tamlin's with the Brock from Reba. Was he the one that put soy sauce in the dish? Yes, oh, yes, that was dish. my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's like a lot of levels. I think it's interesting. I'm excited. I I would love to see the cast get back together. You know, Asians never die. I think everyone's still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they all are look great. Yeah, uh, and I do think it's Kamala. interesting to explore the like the three dim- like the three generational like dimension, right? Like you know, like it would be hilarious to watch Waverly's mom be like the most doting, loving pushover grandma, because that's what happens, right? Like yeah. you're a stern ass yeah. tiger mom, and then you have your grandkid, you're like the sweetest thing, and you're the your your kids like what the fuck, mom? Like who mm-hmm. are you? And like everyone, you know, like everyone forgets like what a hard ass you were. Also, but, that that all those dynamics seem interesting. Yeah. It just seems like a lot to fit in a film. I wonder if they're gonna stick with it as a film. This seems like it could be a limited series. I mean, here's my question: Do you think they're all still fucked up? A hundred percent, yes. You think any of these bitches have gone to therapy? <laughs> yeah. No, no one's going to therapy. That's what the it should be about. The kids, the kids are going like the the grandkids are going to therapy, and like the older generations don't get it. Because let me tell you guys, from firsthand experience, it's real hard to heal. When your parents don't believe in any of the stuff. Oh, yeah. I have to agree there. <laughs> so, yeah. And then I think there's also questions like, do we bring Wang Wong back, who did a fantastic job with this movie? Or, you know, like, realistically, you need a, you should get a Chinese woman in the seat. We, we, you should get a young Chinese woman. And in addition to maybe some young writing talent to help out. Because, yeah, I agree that. For me, it's too early to tell whether I'm against this or for this because I cannot downplay how, you know, like pivotal this movie was. The books were, but also this movie. I also, though, when I watched it, was just like, God, this is a bummer. But I was also very young and I did not watch any bummer content (laughs) by choice. (laughs) I think I would forgive everything, though, if they gave us the 20 whatever equivalent of Russell Wong scooping Uh. up a ripe juicy watermelon yes um Uh, yeah that i think the casting is going to be very key about how excited i would be for this um and yeah i am curious about a director so yeah i feel like someone like a uh, maybe a lulu wong or someone who can like handle lulu might be interesting yeah Yeah. but like lulu also just she just made this movie right like yeah pretty much (laughs) one of the other 
I guess red flags is it's I mean it is the original writing team Amy Tan and Ron Bass writing this script and um, I was looking at Ron Bass's um, recent work and it's not very uh, promising because this is a man who <laughs> co-wrote the 2022 adaptation of Persuasion uh, which I do I enjoyed it I mean it oh wasn't good but I enjoyed it he it also wrote bad. Snow Falling Cedar so Kind of oh. a kind of a Ooh. pattern here, um, hmm. but he also wrote the, my best friend's wedding, hmm. which was, I guess, fun because you know we didn't have to put any Asians in there. That's good. <laughs> uh, hmm. Yeah. So I I still have to say I would like to have one other young writer, Asian writer, on there <laughs> to balance out him out. Uh, but uh, yes, a woman maybe. <laughs> yes, yes, a woman very specifically. <laughs> um. Anyway, right. well, I mean, from whether... from America, <laughs> yes, like yeah, Asian sorry. American you, you, young woman, specifically like Ch- I would even go up Chinese Chinese American Chinese American young woman, like yes. third generation, fourth generation, like yes, from yes. the Bay Area, like let's get a specific. I mean, that writer exists. There's at least like ten of those writers right now going through Cape's program. So like, yeah. I will also accept like someone with their with like third generation children, like that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like whether we want this or not, this is going to be a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. So at this point, I'm just hoping for the best. Just don't be bad. We have right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Well, yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on this. Um, I guess trailer dropping in a year or two. We'll see. Jess, what's your next story? So our next story, uh, kind of entertainment adjacent, but Anna Mae Wong uh, will become the first Asian American to be featured on U.S. currency, on the more specifically on the U- a U.S. quarter as part of the, l- sorry, let me get this right, as part of the U.S. women's quarter program. <laughs> Well, basically, they're just going to slap a bunch of women on quarters over the multiple years. Do we... Sorry. The U.S. Mint's American Women Quarters Program. Uh, do we want this? Yeah. I mean, I want um, to have anime Wong money in my pocket, I guess, even though I don't use quarters as much anymore. I'm a, here's my hot take. Are you ready? Are mm-hmm. you ready? Putting any oppressed people on money is fucking weird. It is a little weird, isn't it? It's weird. Um, I actually find this whole program to be a little infantilizing. <laughs> to be like, oh, we're not going to give you, we're going to strip away all your rights and, you know, disenfranchise you and not give you access to your own body. But um, we'll put you in a quarter. Uh, it and is a little also, pandering, isn't it? It's a little pandering. But, like, you know, this is kind of the part of the PR thing. Like, it's not harming anyone in theory. But. Here's another hotter take, hotter take. I don't know if Anime Wong should be the first Asian American person ever to be featured on U.S. currency. I think it's a weird pick. Can you name one Anime Wong movie, Marvin? Have you ever watched one Anime Wong movie? I've never even watched one Anime Wong movie. And I'm a f- I was a fucking Asian American professional, entertainment professional. I was about to say Forbidden Earth. That was the one she famously did not get cast in, right? Right. <laughs> It, it, I mean, the thing is about her, because now that, you know, this 
nuisance come out people are like oh yeah that's very cool and then they look up and they're like wait i don't know her movies and wait she left the u.s because they treated her like shit and she couldn't get his career here so but it's not like any of her movies are like classics like it's one or or that she has any name recognition and it's almost really sad to be like for your story to be like she was probably pretty good but we kind of didn't let her like like it's it's a weird thing where when your story is like the absence of opportunity and that is why you are a hero. Like okay, let me yeah. let me read to you the other people in this class, okay? So they uh authorize five new women every year in this program, this very weird program. Um but her cohort includes um Bessie Coleman. Mm. The first black woman to earn her aviation license, mm. uh, suffragi- suffragist Jovita Eider, composer, dancer, entertainer Edith Kanaka Ole, which is also very weird. Anytime you have a native, yeah, like when you have indigenous people on U.S. money, I can't articulate it as well as some scholars can, but it feels weird. Uh, author, reformer, leader Eleanor Roosevelt, and America's first prima ballerina Maria Tallchief, who is also native. So I'm like, oh, like I've I've heard. Oh, sorry, and as well as oh, sorry, her batches: Maya Angelou, Sally Ride, uh, suffragist and politician Nina Otero Warren, and Wilma Mankiller, the first female principal chief of the Cherokee Nation. I'm sorry, one of these things does not fit, and it's <laughs> anime Wong. And I say that with all the love and like, you know, like respect of what she went through. But let's be real. One of these things does not fit. And it's it's a hard one, right? Because obviously they needed an Asian in there to like complete the set. You need an Asian. There's no like there's no historical like significant Asian that isn't a shitty story. Right. You can talk about Wonky Mark, who was famously not let into the country until (laughs) they established birthright citizenship. Uh, we can talk about, I guess, the first. There was that one dude that they dug up that like served in the <laughs> Union Army or something, right? <laughs> that they dug up already right there. It tells you something, yeah. And but here's the thing: like when you listed all the names, I think the only other one I knew was Bessie Coleman. So I believe it was a name recognition thing. Obviously, I'm not saying this is right, but this is probably why it happened. Um, and an entertainer, so that was part part of the name recognition thing so yeah i, I mean it would have been a no win yeah. situation i believe it's such a I weird mean, thing we like, it's an entertainer where nobody has watched any of her movies yeah it, it is mixed like i i think i do believe that it ends up being something like hey we gave you your quarter what else do you want it's lip service yeah but <laughs> but at the same time i will look for that quarter <laughs> yeah i mean do we know how many they're minting can can we like collect them all <laughs> I I don't know if they're going to be in regular circulation, but you're also very true. Like, who carries cash anymore? Yeah, I I can't like I. Do you guys remember when they were releasing state quarters like every like yeah? Oh, my God. I had like the little map that you're supposed to collect all the quarters. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I'd rather have the money. Yeah. I still find like random bills in my jacket pockets and stuff because I'm like, oh, I haven't used cash in so long. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah. overall, I, I just don't like the idea of like, pe- like people of color on money. 
it's weird. It is a little weird. I, and and I don't think we should necessarily vener venerate like our founding fathers with money either. Like, can't we just be like, can we just have like britches like the euro? Yeah, yeah. I would like not to have people on our money. <laughs> it feels gross, right? It's a little gross. Like, I already feel weird about this. The, the whole Sacagawea dollar thing was weird yeah, too. Yeah. Well, it just, everything is fraught. And I believe the choices all like show a lot of thinking behind it that doesn't necessarily, I don't know, represent my views. So. Yeah. Yes. And please, please do not, no one, no one put fucking Harriet Tubman on any money. May she come back and haunt everyone if we do that. Do we not see the uh, the grand irony in that? No, yeah. no one does. Okay. No, nobody yes. does. Nope. No one making the, right. no, no one making the, the decisions at least see the irony. Yeah. No. But yes, that's enough. Marvin, what's next? <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Um, Holly Reporter reports that um, there's a new American Pie movie in the works. Mm. Um, it's being written by Sujata Day. Mm. Um, the multi-hyphenate um, actor who I guess did she did she get her start on Issa Rae's show or her it was the web show right yeah awkward yeah. black girl mm-hmm. yeah uh, but yeah she um she's been getting some buzz recently after um, writing and directing her first film Definition Please and also directing the LeVar Burton narrated YouTube series, This Is My Story. Um, so uh, she's been tapped to, um, I guess, carry the torch in a new um, American Pie film. Still don't know if this is theatrical or like a director streaming type thing, but uh, do we want this? Yeah, I would love to see Sujata handle like kind of a raunchy mm-hmm. teen-esque comedy <laughs> and make it less white hopefully and, and maybe less male yeah <laughs> like well not male like you can have men male in it gazy if you want. Yeah. right 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 do you think this is just like the culmination of like all the like never have i ever then like college life of sex girls sex life of college girls you know what i mean it's, I ju- I, it's I just all got led screeners. up to this moment and yes. I, I love that sujata is the one to pick up the, the torch because she is the one who gave us um in definition please a primo Jake Choi butt shot right at the beginning. She knows yeah. what the people want. Also, let's see, blockers. Um, that yeah. was really good. Yeah, that was very good. So, <laughs> yes, hopefully just carry on tradition. I do love the fact that like South Asian like sex comedy is now like an official genre in our canon. <laughs> We're going to make it. Very pro, very pro. And how fun, like just also like a fun new sexy cast. Yeah, of kids that I probably won't be able to relate to. I'm very excited. We we <laughs> might get a new John Cho. At least we forget. This is where mm-hmm. he got his start, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Quite a lot of people got their start from this franchise. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Honestly, of everyone in that, is John Cho winning the biggest? Let's see, um, Jason Biggs. Not, not really anywhere anymore. Kevin yeah. Klein didn't really go anywhere, did he? He's playing dads uh, I mean, now, Eugene, right? Eugene Levy is doing was is doing great. Oh. Um, good for him. Allison uh, Hannigan has already she was been around. On, she was on How I Met Your Mother. Tara yeah. Reid, not doing great. Yeah. Sean William Scott, not doing great. John uh, Cho might have won that one. Yeah. God, um, it's been so long since I've seen that. <laughs> he honestly looks the same. Yeah. All right. Uh, Han. What's your next story? 
Okay, so I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, for those of you who just finished House of the Dragon, um, it turns out that House of the Dragon writer and executive producer Sarah Hess has renewed her overall HBO deal or HBO overall deal. Um, so previous to House of the Dragon, she had written for House for many seasons, um, Orange is the New Black. And so this season on House of the Dragon, she had written the episode The Princess and the Queen and also the penultimate episode, which I actually uh, enjoyed, called The Green Council, which is basically where the queen finds out, well, am I spoiling anything? The co- I'm not going to watch it. You'll go ahead and- <laughs> the, the, basically, well, it's, it's a penultimate anyway. So the queen finds out that the that the king has died and so they start to scramble because she believes that succession should be different um, from how previously other people thought um, based on what she believes she heard from him on as his last words so um, they have an estate battle so there is an inheritance succession sort of battle but it's more of her just gathering all her forces and all of her bannermen together etc etc so it is uh political nature and you know there is some other stuff going on there but Mm -hmm. yeah so anyway um so that means that she's going to just keep on being with um hbo (laughs) besides on house of the dragon i assume but she will be on season two for sure do you think she's gonna take over a showrunner down the line god i hope so um here's the thing like I mean, if we want to ask the do we want this, I am I'm one of those people who is very like torn on House of the Dragon because I didn't love it. But I do for sure um, understand that most of America watched or a big chunk of America watched this and found it very like engaging and fascinating. So they so it was in the cultural conversation. And I think some things I didn't love uh, in particular, but I do wonder, like there were attempts to be um, strong attempts to make the female characters way better than they are in the book. And so I give them a lot of credit for that. And especially Sarah, <laughs> you know, so I would like it if she would take over because Ryan Condal, I believe, is one of the uh, creators, I guess, for this season. And uh, Miguel Sapochnik also. And yes. sometimes after an episode, they would have the after the episode sort of them talking about it. And it'd be like, here's what we thought of childbirth. And it's the men talking. And I'm just like, oh, I don't want to hear it. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they did that in the very final episode. And I was just like, no, sorry. No. Did you also see that Primo Cosmo headline that they changed? Yes, that was that. Well, here's the thing. The story itself was very good. Um <laughs> Which, uh, but I do believe that maybe the headline that was proposed was ill-advised. And then they were like, let's just make this actually explain what it's about. But um, it was discussing like why we were uh, rooting for incest on the show. Um, but in a very more thoughtful way, it's not just. Way. It's well, it's because it's not like we wanted incest, you know, but they did a lot more work there to discuss it but yeah uh anyway so there's i have a lot of mixed feelings about this show especially since i was at the beginning a game of thrones fan um but i you know i think by the end i begrudgingly liked parts of it and for me i just didn't think that they used the dragons enough so um that's my biggest complaint probably (laughs) anyway what do you think 
I say yes, I do want this because I think any injection of writers from different points of view is a net positive for especially a show like this that is a huge cultural point of like contact right yes uh also i believe she is queer so whatever she brings to hbo i hope will um bring some other point of view there i also hope that maybe that might change house of the dragon going forward but um yeah yeah i also think that you know this first season had to spend so much energy like setting everything up yeah with the time jumps and like you know introducing us to all these new characters and now we're like okay now now we're in the real story right like now war is here yeah so let's cook yeah true dance of the dragons that we're going to be getting here so um i guess i will continue reading this book but yeah uh so I am, you know, open to it for sure. Any Anytime you're like saying, hey, this woman is going to take over or at least get more work, then sure. Yeah. That's better than saying, hey, these two random white guys who didn't have experience before, you know, now are making all these things, including a show called Confederate. So yeah. um, <laughs> the story before. <laughs> yeah, I will. I, and I will say, like, it's not like Ryan Condal has like the biggest, longest, like track record either i mean Um, this is yeah that's literally the game of thrones story is like these people had the best pitch and that's what happened even though i like uh rings of power that's what happened with rings of power so i'm like if if people white guys who have no experience or very little experience can make it why not other people who actually have experience i know um yeah looking forward to i'll watch it i'll i still need to watch house of the dragon and rings of power. I've just I'm I'm 100 in Endor right now, and I kind of like being here. No, no, no. You will have to cleanse your palate after Endor because that Endor because it's good. Um, <laughs> but I am very curious to hear yeah. your thoughts once you catch these two. Okay. I I do think House of the Dragon it's it's inconsistent, but there are some <laughs> moments in there, and I do think it lets. I do really like the cast. Uh, who is your problematic fave, Jess? Uh, I mean, everyone loves Damon, which is like, that's such a cliche. Cause, you I know, like Amond. <laughs> I kind of like, 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 is that Matt Sarah Amond? No. Uh, the one without the eye, the one who has an eye um, patch. I'm, I'm kind of, I, I'm kind, not that I agree with her or anything she does, but like, I am like very viscerally attracted to Olivia Cook. Oh, okay. Um, she, who that's plays fair. Alicent. Uh, and like, but like, like, I get why, you know, the feet thing happened. I'm like, I get it. The power you have over like these dumb men. Like, I kind of uh, get it. You're, you're, she's very, alert. and and I do think that like, this character isn't likable necessarily, but I somewhat understand still the position that like got her to this like warp way of thinking. I have no issue with her feet. But I did have issues with them writing that. So um, of all the things, everyone's like, of all the things, like this fucked up, like IP has brought us. Like we're like incest, we cool. Like just dragons fucking shit up, we cool. But like, mm, little feet finder. Uh, see, Ooh. I for me, it wasn't the fetish that was I was disturbed by, but it was the fact that they were making this fetish for this man who is disabled, um, who has a club foot. 
So I was just like, seriously, people? And because this is one they made up themselves. George R. R. Martin did not write that in. So, I, wonder, I wonder what that room looked like when that bitch came out. It's like, yeah. he likes feet. Yeah, and they're like, oh, gold. Oh, like, you know they had like a kink brainstorm session with like posters everywhere. Yeah. So I'm just, just like, like, we already did the incest. We can't do step siblings. Yeah. What's next? Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, Game of Thrones franchise does not have a good track record when it comes to disability. Not that it should when everything else is fucked up, but I do think that it still perpetuates shit. So I'm just like, mm. um. Anyway, oh, but anyways. yes. <laughs> Spoiler for those who might not have seen that scene yet. <laughs> it involves feet. It involves feet. Right. My my big. Uh, my big alert to it was just a tweet that said, Oh no, not the feet. And I was like, Oh shit, I gotta watch. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Jess, you gotta save us. What's, what's the next story? <laughs> next. <laughs> Hulu orders interior Chinatown two series with Jimmy O. Yang to star and Taika Waititi to direct. Do we want this? Uh, I do because that double shot, Plus the project means that it will be entertaining, which it should be. Yeah. Yes. So for those of you uh, not aware, it is a book, uh, a novel written by Charles Yu, who is also a TV writer and is actually adapting the book himself, which is very cool. That that that's a rare kind of thing to happen. Yeah. He's also um, the brother of Kelvin Yu, mm-hmm. of yep. Bob's Burgers slash. Master was that he's master of none? Yeah. Uh, so very talented family, and it is going to be a very meta text because essentially it's about a Asian American actor trying to find work and the um, you know the stereotypes he faces along the way. Uh, so all that I, I think Taika is a great choice for this. I'm really excited to see that effervescent irreverent tone he brings to everything and i think jimmy is really perfect for that as well i think we might be the small camp that really liked that uh that rom that christmas movie love he hard. did love, love hard, hard. Love and hard was great i yeah. thought he was great in it uh really sold it yes uh and he was you know he's great on silicon valley and I'm excited to for him to get like this chance to play this character, Willis Willis Wu. Yeah, for him to continue his leading man sort of run, I'm so down for that. Yeah, Charles Yu also um, he's known for a lot of science fiction writing. He wrote uh, for Westworld, for Legion. Um, I actually we actually read his first book, How to Survive in the Science Fictional Universe, uh, mm. for our Booksable Book Club, like a long long time ago. And he's a very interesting writer. And I'm excited to see, like, I think, t- like you guys have mentioned, Taika is a perfect director for this because Taika can take weird shit and make it cool. Yes. Or well, just kind of like throwing it so far out of what is reasonably possible and somehow sticking the land. Yeah. I mean, this man was the one that gave us what we do in the shadows, the OG. Mm-hmm. Which is like a ridiculous concept if you just like told someone the the premise, right? Same with like Jojo Rabbit. Like who in their right mind would let someone make Jojo Rabbit from like just the log line alone? Yeah. Oh, apparently Fox Searchlight did. So <laughs> Yeah. And although that was a divisive for a lot of people, I I ended up liking lots of it because I thought it was it was creative and it did make me laugh in part. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm down for it. Down for anything that Taika makes. <laughs> and that Jimmy is part of. Yeah. All right. Um 
our last story um, is uh, it, it's a nice quick one. Um, Chicago Med star Brian T to exit mm. after eight seasons, but will return to direct. Yay! So Brian T, who we all affectionately know as DK from <laughs> Tokyo Drift, has been in this game a long time, and um, yeah, he, I guess he's finally finishing his run at, on Chicago Med, which is a show I do not watch, but my <laughs> wife does, um, and. He, He's going to try his hand at directing. Um, do we want this? Yeah, you go get that director money, Brian T. I feel like directing is so much easier and you get still decent <laughs> money and then he can do other things if he wants. Yeah, I think the point when it comes to having behind the scenes or behind the camera roles is that means you can be more creative and uh, have longevity and start controlling the production of other things. Not that he is producer, but like, that's just a stepping stone. Um, And, and, you know, director has a lot of power, not just directing, but often, you know, you can choose things or suggest things that people might not have thought of so yeah uh i'm so down for that um i i went and looked up his image again from tokyo trip just because i was like wait wait he was i was like yes yes that was him no my my absolute favorite role is the security head of security the army in jurassic world and the he's the hunt down the dinosaur and then he's like he can camouflage fantastic a plus I mean, Brian T is like one of those guys. Like if you've watched any movie, any action movie, there's like a 20% chance you've seen him in like a role yeah. here and there. Um, and he's always been playing bad guys until you know, until Chicago Med, where he actually plays like a heroic doctor. Um, but yeah. yeah, I'm glad to see him stay in the game. You know, I feel like becoming like a director for like procedurals is like a posh gig right like that that's a, yeah that's a that's you never get those residuals mm-hmm. yeah that that's something that for a long time it was funny because there's such this uh there still is some um snobbery uh, film versus tv but all the tv actors have been like whatever dudes like you have to go like uh find your next gig and you uh, and also the stuff whereas i can stay in my hometown and uh get a regular paycheck and still sleep with my wife and all sort of stuff so it's like yeah there is consistency in a tv gig if you are especially part of a procedural or one of those uh sitcoms that have longevity so or Grey's yeah, anatomy well look <laughs> I mean, I can't believe that's still going on. And I need to actually catch up with it because we got our Asians on there now back. That's true. It is the Harry Shomero. Yeah. Uh, and, and Midori Francis is on it. Um, so, yeah. I'm catch- and they have a high level Asian American writer on staff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So <laughs> I actually I forgot about that. So we probably have a few episodes I can catch up on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Not well, to get distracted. To Brian. Um, for moving on up in the entertainment world. And I guess on that note, that'll do it for this edition of Do We Want This um, on the Good Pop Culture Club. Uh, Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? Uh, my trash takes are on Just You Tweets on Twitter. And I am at Hanonymous. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Uh, check out our fellow Asian American hosted podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, that'll do it for us for the month of October. Um, wishing everyone a safe and fun Halloween. 
Um, I don't think I'm doing anything. Oh, I haven't planned anything Halloweeny. <laughs> like I, I mean, I'm probably going to do stuff this weekend, but not related to that. <laughs> I am going to do the scariest activity known to man. What is that? I will be going wedding dress shopping oh, no. with my mother. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I will report back next week. Good luck. Godspeed. Um, everyone, keep just I may in be your back prayers. as a zombie. I may come back as a zombie or, or a vampire murderer. or a murderer, a serial killer, even. So, <laughs> yes, I'll report back. All right. Well, up until then, thanks for listening and bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Brian, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada's a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 